Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 243. We're looking at the timeline of the Holy Land, Israel, and those who had ruled at the different parts of time as we know it, especially over the last 4,000 years. We left with the end of the 10 time periods of what we call the Old Testament, the Tanakh. And uh, the New Testament closes about 400 B.C., 400 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, with the last book that's written, the book of Malachi. We are under a Persian kingdom, and so I want to back up to the time of the Babylonians. The Babylonian Empire, even though it comes into play in the Bible with the exile of Judah and the taking away of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and then Ezekiel, and then the destruction of the temple, the Babylonians really ruled as a kingdom over all of what is the Holy Land today in Egypt and the whole area of the Middle East that we have been focusing on from about 612 down to 539 B.C. In 612, Nebuchadnezzar, led by his father Nebuchadnezzar, took over and really destroyed the ancient capital of the Assyrians who had been in control for some time in the ancient world in the Middle East. Their capital was Nineveh, modern-day Mosul, and it was destroyed at the Battle of Nineveh in 612. Then the Battle of Carchemish followed in 609, and after that it was just like dominoes because the major powers had been defeated, which was Assyria in the north and then Egypt in the south. And so part of the mop-up operation was to take captive those who were in in the capital city of Judah, that is Jerusalem. And so that's where we get the book of Daniel and the material that's covered in the Samuel Kings and Chronicles material. And as Jeremiah had predicted for 70 years, the people were in exile. They were in captivity and away from the land with no temple, no central place of worship, just like God said. But he also said he would bring them back. And we'll come back to that. But the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar and his successor lasted from 612 down to 539. So then the Persians came on the scene. Cyrus had just come off of great victories, had dealt with the Lydda and with the Media Empire. And so he came and took over Babylon in 539, actually took uh, the city without firing a shot, basically. He began a new administration by making decrees for the Jews for instance, to go back to their homeland to rebuild their temple. Uh, His strategy for maintaining a kingdom was different than the previous Babylonian empire where they would 
bring everyone to their capital city and the environs of their capital city where they could uh, watch them, keep a handle on them, an iron-fisted rule. Cyrus had a different approach. He sent them back, blessed them, asked them to be faithful to him, to pray for him, pray to their God for him. And so that's the story that's recorded in the Bible of the great King Cyrus who freed the people, gave the wherewithal to go back and build the temple in Jerusalem. And so that Persian empire lasted all the way down through what we call the Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther period, all the way down through the prophets uh, to Malachi. So from 539 B.C. all the way down to 333 B.C., when Alexander the Great conquered the Middle East, it was under Persian rule. And you can read about all of the great battles of King Xerxes and Artaxerxes, his son, and uh, everything that went on between Greece, uh, which was in on the continent of Europe, the Persians and all of their great battles. But ultimately, God raised up Alexander the Great for the purpose of putting the entire world at that time under one language. Now, remember, all of this was in preparation for the Son of God. This is why Galatians 4, 4 says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might be redeemed, that he might redeem those of us who are under the law. And so all of this was in the hand of God. It should give us comfort as followers of Jesus, knowing that God is in control. He's the one that raises up and he's the one that puts them down. He's the one that man plans his way, but God orders the steps. And that should give us comfort, knowing that God is really in control of history. After all, history is nothing more than his story. And so the Persians were in control. They consolidated their area for a long period of time. And then Alexander came and very swiftly conquered all of the known world, basically in three years. And then he died an untimely death and his four generals split up the kingdom. And the two that are related to the Bible and the events of the Bible was Seleucus, who had all of what is Mesopotamia today and uh, what would have been uh, Syria, then uh, Ptolemy, who had all of North Africa and Egypt that had been conquered by Alexander the Great, and the land in between, which it has always been the land in between, that land bridge is Israel from uh, Syria down to Egypt. And so there was constant fighting, and the Ptolemies would beat the Seleucids, and then the Seleucids would beat the Ptolemies, and, and the Jews were caught in the middle of all of that. And so you can see what a time it was in the great economy of God. And this is when the Maccabees came about, the Hasmoneans. And all of that was during the Greek period when the lingua franca of the day, the language of the day was Greek because Alexander uh, the Great believed that the Greeks were the greatest people that the world had ever seen. And so he took his philosophy, his culture, his language everywhere he went, and it stuck. And that's why the New Testament is written uh, in Greek. That's why the Hebrew scriptures were uh, translated into Greeks called the Septuagint translation was quoted in the New Testament. It's the Old Testament that was quoted. It's the Tanakh that was quoted some in the New Testament. So all to say it was a very important kingdom. But then in the West, the Romans gained power and Pompey, the Roman general Pompey, 
marched into the Middle East and conquered it. We date that as 63. So you have, by way of dating, 612 to 539 is the Babylonian period. Then the Persian period lasted from 539 down to 333. That was the Greek period from 333 to 63 B.C. Now, the early Roman period, the time of Jesus, lasted until uh, really 330. Constantine uh, came to power, but he um, really moved uh, the kingdom capital of Rome from the west to the east, and it became the eastern Roman kingdom or empire. And uh, that really happened in 330 when the capital of Rome was moved from Rome to Byzantium, which was on the Bosphorus. It was really the land bridge and uh, between Europe, which is uh, Greece on the left, and then on the right, as you're looking at a map to the east, uh, would be uh, the continent of Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. It was called the Anatole then. That's when really the Byzantine period started. The Byzantine period, you still have Romans, and and the Byzantines wouldn't have called themselves Byzantines. We're the ones that really do that. Uh, Looking back in history, they looked at themselves as Romans, as the Eastern Romans, and many were Greek-speaking, and uh, that's where we get the Eastern Orthodox uh, Church. And so uh, what we're talking about is uh, still Rome, but now the capital has moved from Rome uh, in the west, in Europe, Italy, all the way over to Byzantium. And that's why it's called the Byzantine period. As you know, Constantine converted to Christianity. I I would put that in quotes. As he did, he moved the capital and Byzantium became Constantinople. Today, Constantinople which was previously Byzantium, is called today Istanbul. It's a city of millions of people, and it is uh, right on that great Bosphorus. Uh, The Dardanelles of Greek uh, mythology are there, and uh, it is the gateway to Asia uh, from the European continent crossing the Bosphorus. And so that period lasted, I dated up to uh, 630, 632, and I began the early Muslim period then because that's really when the Middle East was affected as what we call Israel. That Muslim period lasted for a long time. And and as I go through this, what I want you to realize is that early Muslim period, I date it from 632 to 1096 when the uh, Crusades began. That wasn't the end of Muslim rule in Israel in the Middle East because except for the period of the Crusaders, which only lasted a very short period of time as far as world history is concerned, I date the Crusades from 1096 to 1291, except for that short time period in Middle Eastern history, all of what is called Israel today was ruled by Muslims from 632 all the way until 1917. And that's why there is such a foothold in the Middle East today for Islam. Uh, But far and away, long before Islam was ever thought of, the Jews were there. It was their homeland given by God to Abraham, to Isaac, to his son Jacob, which became Israel. After sojourning in Egypt, God constituted them as a nation in Sinai, as you know, after the period of the judges and then the United Kingdom under a Benjamite king named Saul, then uh, the Judaic dynasty was born in King.
King David through the loins of Jesse, having brought together Ruth and Boaz prior to that. All I'm saying is the Jews were there. It was their capital. David moved uh, the capital from Hebron, which was the capital of the tribe of Judah, to make uh, the capital of Israel, indeed, uh, the eternal capital. As God says, this is my city. This is the capital. This is the place not only where a Jewish king would rule a thousand years before Christ was born, but the Messiah will reign and rule and reign there for a thousand years yet to come. All of that to say that the early Muslim period lasted until the uh, period of the Crusaders. As you know, there was more than one crusade, but those ended in 1291. The next period is probably the least known of all the periods of the last 2,000 years, and that's the Mameluke period. The Mamelukes were really uh, people who were slaves that were brought in as uh, mercenaries, as trained soldiers. That's what the word uh, Mameluke means. It means a, a slave, someone who is owned by someone else. They trained these slaves, mostly Turks and um, uh, Eurasians. They were trained to be a uh, Fighters, mercenaries. Well, when you train someone well enough and you bring them up in ranks, pretty soon they're going to rule, and that's exactly what happened. And so the Mamluks ruled in Israel and really all of what was later became the Ottoman Empire. They ruled that area from 1250 to 1517. And you say, wait just a minute, I thought you said the Crusader period was until 1291, and you just said 1250. There was a transitional time, and the last of the Crusades and the last of the Crusaders left in 1291. But the Mamluks were gaining power all around, so I date them from 1250 when they really began to rise to power all over the Middle East. They were in control until the Ottoman Turks in 1517. In 1517, you had a decisive battle, and for 400 years, the Turks were in control. All of what is northern Africa, Egypt, all out through that Mediterranean, North Africa, all of what is the Middle East today, all of Turkey today, all of that was Turkey. It was under the Ottoman Empire, and it was not until World War I when the Allies, uh, led by Great Britain and France, defeated the Ottoman Turks in World War I. As you'll recall, the League of Nations and the San Remo Conference, they divided up the Middle East, much as it is today between the French and the British mandates, the part that is called Israel today and the part that is called Jordan today, as well as most of Mesopotamia, was under the rule of the British. The House of Saud got what is Arabia today and uh, Mesopotamia became Iraq all of that changed after World War One. So you have the Ottoman Turkish period from 1517 to 1917, and then what we know as Israel today and Jordan was under the British mandate from 1917 till 1948, when you have the second restoration of the state of Israel from 1948 to the present. 
I do not believe that there will be a removing of the people uh, because I believe that Jerusalem has been established as the capital of Israel. The state of Israel has been established. It will spread because uh, all of the land that had been promised to Abraham is just a small fraction been uh, conquered and restored back to Israel. Much of what is Jordan today, much of what is Syria today will be a part of the promised land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, and that most of it was realized, but not all of it, during the days of David, and certainly expanded during the days of Solomon to its greatest landmass. But there's even going to be more than that restored, and God will do exactly what he said he would do. Now, people don't like that, and they don't like for me to talk like that but in our present day. But that really doesn't matter, because, see, what really matters is what God says, and whatever God says is going to happen. And so we need to just quit messing around with this and talking about this. Now, this is not to rub in anybody's faces. It's just what the Bible says, and we need to be faithful to the teaching of the Bible. Well, that's about 4,000 years of history, and you're probably asleep now, so wake up and walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.